Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Here's San Francisco and the incomparable forward, Rick Barry. Behind the line, they burn him again, and it's Barry. And now Rick Barry, the league's leading scorer. What a superb basketball player he is. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Warriors 24 with your host. That's right. That's that's me, the old fart himself, Rick Barry, <laughs> and uh, my young cohort, the surfing king, Cyrus Atsis. And uh, I'm still working on trying to get Brent for you, so we'll see if he can go ahead and do some surfing with you sometime. All right. Sounds good. Uh, and relative, re- relatively young, Rick. Relatively young. And thank you for that. You're a baby. <laughs> I, got, well, I, got, I got a fistful of kids older than you. Uh, maybe, but I wouldn't say you're old either, Rick. I, I am old, but it's okay. I don't feel old. That's, you know, that's okay. I mean, old is good. I mean, I want to get really old. As I say, I'm, I'm going to be a hundred years old and go fly fishing in Alaska. That's my Beautiful. goal in life, as I told you. So, but anyway, a lot of different things going on. I feel as though uh, I'm watching MASH oh. you know, when I'm watching the NBA with all of the injuries that are taking place. Mm. Uh, it's, it's crazy. Every time you turn it around, somebody else is hurt. Gordon's going out with the Rockets and he's going to be out for six weeks and, Davis is not going to be ready for the game against the Warriors because he got hit in the ribs. And I mean, every time you turn around, somebody else is, is getting some type of an injury. And then, of course, we have the, the wonderful uh, – well, they even had another name for it on one of these things here, the, the injury rest or whatever the heck it is. Load uh, management. Load ma- well, load management is one of them, but they used another terminology. I don't know, whatever it is, uh, which we've discussed a little bit. I mean, I'm, I understand why. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of the investment they have in the players, but I guess the players don't have anything to say about it, do they? It's, uh, maybe it's almost now like like the team and management is making the decision as to whether or not they want to play somebody and rest them. I know that I would not be happy about that. I mean, if I didn't have a serious some injury and needed some serious rest for some reason, the fact that I'm not going to get to play, I'd be terribly disappointed. Right. It's a different mindset that exists today with this. And... But there's, there is, I mean, there's a tremendous amount of money on the line. But the, here's the deal. As a player, what do I, I, I have a guaranteed contract for five years or four years or whatever it is, right? <laughs> I want to play. Well, LeBron doesn't subscribe to that. I, I do respect him. That's one of the few players who wants to play every night. I love that. Yeah, I mean, and he's, he's, he goes out there and gets it done. When you, it's like Kobe, same way. Yeah. You, put, you want to put that uniform on, you want to go out and you want to compete because that's your passion. That's your love. And I just, I don't know. I, I don't know. Anyway, it is what it is. We're going to have to learn to deal with it. But I get into seriously, they have to do something about it. Uh, never, ever, ever should a player be allowed to go into this load management or whatever the heck the deal is. <laughs> no, on our, in a road game. Yeah. Especially a road game in the other conference. Should not be allowed unless there's an injury or something of that nature. Look at the schedule. You can figure it out, and let's make sure that we have it. So it's a disservice to the fans who are paying big money. You have a team from the West coming into the East only one time during the season, and to have their star player be out because of this load management nonsense is wrong. It's totally wrong, unfair to the fans, and the fans should get up in arms about it, and the NBA should not allow it to happen. And, and the most prominent case of this is Kawhi Leonard. So you're saying Kawhi should suck it up and play back-to-backs? I'm saying that what you do is if it's – here's the deal. If they're back east and they're back – and they have to do a back-to-back, mm-hmm. you got to suck it up. I'll, I agree. I'm with you. I mean, you got to suck it up. I mean, he's only going to be there once. He's one of the elite players in the game. The fans pay a lot of money for their tickets. They're hoping to get a chance to see him in person, and they're denied that opportunity for load management? 
not an injury. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's BS. I agree. And so they can, do, they can do that. They can say this is the way it is. You can't rest a guy if it happens to be back-to-back out on the road in the other conference. You can't do it. Now, if they're going to play another team two or three times, but even then, I still think it's a situation that if it's going to happen, it should happen at home. And look at the schedule. You can figure out what your schedule is like, see where it is, figure out the games that you're going to do it. And even then, you should make an announcement which games load management is going to take place as far in advance as possible. And they should come up with a reasonable amount of time for that, whether it's a month or whatever. You see the schedule. Unless something happens where there is an injury and, and some other outside occurrence takes place, that you should be able to notify your fans locally because those who don't have season tickets who are buying a ticket to go to the game, if they want to see the star player of that team, they're going to spend good money to do it. Well, all of a sudden you show at the game, well, he's not playing tonight, load management. You wouldn't have bought the ticket. Right. Right, because the TV audience. Protect, I mean, is- the, protect the fans. I'm with you. I'm Give some, I mean, let these, these people who are spending good money. There wouldn't be a league if it wasn't for the fans. They should be protected and given every consideration imaginable. And they can come up with a formula that can make that happen and work. And without that, and just indiscriminately picking out games that you're going to decide to do this load management stuff, I think is wrong. I agree. How, how, you know, Rick, you're one of the greatest players that have ever played this game. You, you obviously have a tremendous connection still in the NBA. How, how often do players fake injuries to sit it out? Is that a regular thing? Is this I've never a new- seen it happen. Okay. Not, so not you- for me personally and on a team that I was on that somebody wanted to do it. I, we all wanted to play. I mean, it's, I, I don't think somebody, well, I do that. Here's the deal. If I needed rest, I asked the coach to let me not practice. <laughs> no, not take a day off from a game. Let me take a day off of practice. There's my rest. So in your opinion, do you think Kawhi Leonard is that hurt? Or do you think this is just a precautionary thing? I think it's a precautionary thing. And they want yeah. to you know, make sure they're protecting their investment. But I'm saying there's a way to go about it, do it, to make it fair to the fans. Give consideration to your fan base. Without your fan base, you have no league. Right. Professional sports doesn't exist if it's not for the fans. Correct? Absolutely. And Rick, the fact that you're saying that adds that much more cachet and emphasis to it because, again, you're you're a former player. And I love hearing that from you. That You're right. The fans, I mean, there is no – you're just playing on a a blacktop if there are no fans. Hey, I thank God every night when I play for the fans. If it wasn't for the fans, I wouldn't have had the life that I had. I wouldn't have been able to go and play the game that I love and get paid to do it. And so give some consideration to them. I think the things that I just brought up previously are things that need to be given serious consideration by the NBA. But the list is that a star player going on a road to a road game, especially interconference, uh, and, you know, the Eastern Western, mm-hmm. should not be allowed to get one of those days off when he goes out on the road when he's only going to be there one time. You know, uh, this injury, uh, talking about injuries, the Warriors have been hit very hard with this injury bug. I feel like it started in the postseason last year, continuing on today. We had someone tweet at us. Uh, the official Twitter account for this podcast is Warriors24Pod, and you can always reach us there, or you can follow Rick, Rick24Barry, myself, Doxer for Ocho. Uh, but one person tweeted at us that, that asked, um, when should we consider sacking the medical staff of the Warriors? Seems harsh. But there's a it lot of harsh. injuries. No, no, it is harsh. Come on. 
The medical staff has nothing to do with guys getting injuries. Let me tell you, the sophistication of what these guys do, their joints to protect the knee, all of the things that they do, the stretching, it's, it's so far beyond anything that I ever imagined in my life. I never experienced anything like it. As I told people before, I would be faster, stronger, quicker, more endurance and jump higher. I'd be so much better a player physically because of what they provide for the players today. And to say and go out on the limb and say something that it's the staff that's causing the issues, that's a crock. It, it's what happens. I mean, that's, I mean, it's ridiculous to even come up with a statement like that. There is no way that they're going to try to jeopardize their livelihood and, and cause a situation to occur where they would hurt the team by getting players to go out and trying to force them back. Most of the time, it's a situation where a player really wants to play and the player wants to come back. Yeah, Maybe I, sooner than he should. And a lot of times they have to step up and say, no, 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 you're, you're not ready. I mean, seriously. I mean, they, they take that very seriously. Yeah, I think, I think prior to the Kevin Durant injury, the medical staff was not really brought to light. Like, there wasn't much attention on them. But then the Durant thing raised some questions. I mean, he was greenlit to play. I mean, you know, the medical staff cleared him. They said there was no risk. And then he went out there and tore his Achilles. And then I guess the other thing that raises some attention with this is the fact that over the last two years, the Warriors medical staff has had a complete 100% turnover. And I don't know why that is. But since then, you know, I am seeing a rash of injuries that this team really didn't experience. But and again, you're, you're just saying it's a fluke thing. I can't say otherwise, but it does raise some questions, right? You can understand why some fans are a little concerned. Well, yeah, you can be concerned. But if, if that's the case, then there would have been even more of it in the past. I mean, they're, they're so much more advanced as far as the technology and the training and everything today than they were in the past. And, and, and yet the players are getting hurt doing things. I mean, it's just that they're so incredibly athletic. They jump so much higher. You're coming down from, from three and a half feet as opposed to two and a half feet. Right. I mean, so you're going to take a little <laughs> bit more pounding. They're faster. They're quicker. The guys are bigger and stronger. And, you know, you get, you get hit by somebody. The guy's much stronger than he was. I mean, it's – it's just a, a number of variables that come into play, but certainly right. to blame the staff for it is it, it's wrong. Now, in the case of KD, could they have made a mistake? Yes, they possibly could have made a mistake. I mean, everybody makes mistakes at times, but I'm sure that if KD didn't feel like he was ready to go back and play, why would he go out and do that? I don't think he right. would go out and play if he didn't feel like he was ready to do it. Yeah. And he hasn't blamed the medical staff at all, which was, I give him credit for that. Yeah, for sure. Um, speaking sure. of Twitter, do you mind if we change subjects here? I have another Twitter question for you. change whatever you like to do. Throw whatever <laughs> you want to throw out at me. So I had another another uh, person tweet at us with an interesting question. You, your former teammate, um, Jim Barnett, who was for, for decades, was the color commentator for the Warriors on TV. Um, this last offseason, he was replaced by Kalani Azubuki, who I, I personally like. But a lot of people are wondering, was your former teammate Jim Barnett forced out? And what's your take on that? Uh, you know, I don't know. I haven't had a chance to talk to Jim about it. He thought he was going to be out a few years back and everything, and he managed to stay in there and do it, and he has done it for quite a few years. Um, I don't know. I, only the Warriors can answer that question as to why they decided to make the change. Um, and I haven't heard, I heard, haven't heard Asabuki as to the quality of, uh, of a broadcast that he, that he is able to go ahead and bring to the table. I haven't really listened to him uh, to be able to try to evaluate him. But... Obviously, the Warriors are entitled to make whatever decisions they want to make, and they chose to make that one. And I'm sure Jim is very disappointed. It's tough to all of a sudden lose a job that you've had for a long time that you're accounting on, especially when you get paid you know, really good money to talk about the game that you love. And Jim did a very nice job for him. So I, I guess the reason why a lot of people are speculating that he was forced out, or at least there's questions being raised about 
this whole situation is that he went from being the, the primary color commentator for, again, for decades, right? And yeah. all of a sudden now, they go into this new arena and you're seeing a lot of change and overhaul with the team. And they kept him on, but just for road radio games. And I feel like I think a lot of fans like love love Jim and they're thinking that he got slighted for this. I mean, if you were in his position and the team suddenly came to you and said, hey, we only want you to do road radio games now, would you would you go along with that? I mean, would you feel disrespected? Uh, well, you might feel disrespected and disappointed, but I don't think you're going to turn it down. You're still getting a paycheck. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, it's not like Jim made multi-millions of dollars and heard the word million in his contract negotiations. And so it's pretty tough to turn it down and you have to accept it. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I know my son, John was disappointed. I'm sure that he got taken off of the TV aspect and started doing some radio things. But I mean, you have a contract. It's the choice of your, of your bosses. Mm -hmm to make the decision as to how they want to utilize you. And you don't really have a choice in the matter. So you either accept it or you don't have a job. How does that, that's a great thing you brought up. I haven't seen John in a while. And he used to be a very prominent color commentator for national games for ESPN. You used to be a very prominent color commentator, or maybe they even had you do play by play every once in a while back in the eighties. How does that, how does that go down? Like, like, do they call you in to tell you this? Is it, is it very informal? Not necessarily. In fact, one time when I was doing stuff with CBS, uh, I had a, a writer call me one time and I was actually during the playoffs doing mm -hmm. the things. What do you think about the fact you're not going to be back at CBS next year? I said, really? That's how you learn. Was that some? Yeah, it was at oh. some convention. And Van Gordon Sorter, who was the head of the head of sports, who was just going to be there temporarily, knew he was going into news. And I found out later that he didn't. Uh, he, I was never. I, he hated me as a player because he was a big fan of the Chicago Bulls. I think it was. And when he first <laughs> came in to do the sports, he wanted to. He wanted to get rid of me immediately. Without didn't have had nothing to do with whether I was any good or not as a broadcaster. I mean, it right. was, it was such BS, but I mean, that's life though. I mean, life yeah. is not what you know, but who, you know, being in the right place at the right time, having somebody that champions you, Bob Wessler, another guy was the guy that championed me and where I screwed up Cyrus is that I didn't ask Bob when he was leaving Turner broadcasting to say, Hey, listen, Bob, before you go, can you extend my contract for me? So that I, you know, I know I'm going to be here for a while. And, and I talked to him after it's all over and I wound up losing my job, you know, in a whole crazy situation that I don't need to get into right now, maybe okay. save it all for my book or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> okay. but I got screwed out of my job. I mean, totally screwed. Mm -hmm. And, and so, and I didn't have any say in what it was and it's, it was ridiculous, but that's the kind of stuff that happens in that business. Yeah. And it's, it's life in general. That's what life is all about. Not what you know, who, you know, all the in, things I just said. In so, so many ways. You learn to deal, and here's the thing you deal with it because, okay, you might be upset about it, but if you can't change it, you do what you can to try to change it or rectify it. If it can't be done, if it makes, it makes you sad, cry, get over it, move on. You can't, <laughs> yep. you can't live in the past. You, yep. you just have to make the most of the situations that you're in the hands that you're dealt, as they say, to use the cliche, you got to play the hands, you know, the hand that you're dealt. That's what it is. And like, I guess like Kenny Rogers, right? You got to know when to hold them, when to fold them. When to fold so, them. Yep. <laughs> it's such simple life yeah, advice. Really is. I mean, so it's, it's not very complicated. The problem is, is people nope. sit around and feel sorry for themselves so often. Yep. You know, good That's things true. are going to happen in your life. Bad things are going to happen. You can't just be somebody that deals really well with the good things and you, you fall to pieces when the bad things happen. I've had a lot of bad things happen to me and yeah. I've gotten through it because you know why? I just don't dwell on it because I can't change it. And so if, I, if I'm, and I can't allow it to impact what I'm going to do next because it becomes negative energy. I'm with you. So That's why to be a positive person, you got to look forward, look to the next thing and understand and live. I live by this. Everything in life, the everything in life happens for reasons. I said, I've got to, I've said it so often. My son Scooter actually gave me a present from he and the kids. 
my grandkids one time and it has a nice, it's a nice sign I have actually hanging in my bedroom. It says everything in life happens for a reason. And, I, and it's the truth. It really is the truth. And so no, you're right. You're and, deal with it. And the best way, and the best way to, to clarify or confirm that is the fact that when bad things happen to you, when crazy things happen to you in life, and it seems nonsensical at that moment, which it does, right? If something bad is going on, it's not making sense to you at that time. You're probably asking why, right? Yeah, three you years can't later, figure out sometimes why in the hell is this happening to me? Yes, but you know it makes no sense whatsoever. And then you might it might be hey you might learn the next day. It might be the next week. It might be the next month. It might be the next year. It might be years later. It you will learn the reason yes. why it happened because exactly. something's going to happen in your life that you look back as oh my god now I know why that happened. Exactly. I, that's that. That was my whole point. Is that at some point it will make sense, and at that point you'll understand the purpose of that event happening. What's John? Oh, what's, I want to ask you. I got to ask yeah. you though before. Well, John's still doing the radio stuff and all. Oh, good, good. Okay. So what's happening? Did you, have you watched the game and have you watched the players on the bench like we talked about? Yes. At a timeout. So what did yeah. You see? So Rick, you brought up a great thing a few podcasts back that the the players on the sideline or you know during timeouts, oftentimes instead of paying attention to the coach have their eyes wandering into the crowd. And yes, I, I've, I've looked and I've seen it. And those eyes are scanning. <laughs> they're seeing they're who's paying, out they're, there. They're paying no attention to the coach. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Especially, well, I, I haven't seen it much with the Warriors. And, and, I, and I do respect the coach. I feel like the, the Warriors players respect that coaching staff. And then I don't see it much with the Warriors. I've seen it more with the Rockets. I saw it with the Clippers. Um... And whoever the Warriors just recently played, I can't remember who their opponent was, but I saw it with their opponent as well. But uh, yeah, it happens. It's crazy. No, it happens a lot. Yeah, it's insane. Um, by the way, Rick, do you, do you follow the, the, the media game? Like, do you follow the weird inside stuff going on with, you know, broadcasters, journalists, that kind of stuff? Does that interest you at all? Like, do you pay attention to that? Well, let me see. Maybe I can answer it by saying when I actually do have a game that I uh -huh. don't usually watch live, that I usually record and then watch afterwards so that I can get through it faster, um, I generally don't have the sound on. Well, well, does, that answer, does that answer your question? Yes, to a certain degree it does. And yeah, the but then, and then the other stuff, sometimes I'll listen just to, to see what's being said. And I can only take so much of it because I, I don't understand what they're talking about sometimes or what, what game they're watching because I think they're watching a different game than what I'm watching at times. Mm -hmm. uh, I, they talk about things that are so obvious um, that I don't even think they need to be discussed. Um, a lot of masters of the obvious out there. And, yes. and I really think that they miss a lot of things that need to be talked about. I mean, and, and I see that on a regular basis. And I just kind of shake my head in astonishment and say, you know, what are you watching? Are you, obviously, you're not watching it the same way I'm watching it. Right. And, um, and, so, and then the guys on the TV, I mean, the guys that aren't former players and things of that nature who are what I like to call referred to as the talking heads who are out there who are experts in every single facet of sports imaginable, who know more than anybody else, know more than the coaches, actually get coaches fired sometimes, which is remarkable to me. Agreed. Uh, that people yeah. that people actually listen to their opinion and let their opinion impact what they decide to do with their personnel or their coaches. I mean, that's crazy, crazy. It, and then I is. really, I lose a lot of respect for any guy who's doing broadcasting that's out there trying to get somebody fired. Yeah. yeah. That's I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, it is not crazy. his job. That's not yeah. his job. His job is to report on something. You can give an opinion, but for you to be out there campaigning or something, this guy has no business coaching. He's horrible, blah, blah, blah. 
Oh man, I just, I, I don't respect that very much at all. Yeah, it is a weird facet of sports media for sure, is the fact that you're right, they're malicious. It is insane negativity directed towards specific individuals. In this case, I, I, was, I was referring more to interesting politicking, I guess. So, so talking about, we were talking about Jim Barnett, your former teammate a moment ago, how he's basically been possibly pushed out to now he's just doing like road radio games. Well, the person doing the home radio games is Tom Tolbert, another former warrior. Um, I don't know what your relationship is with him, but it's, it's fascinating to me that the Warriors uh, are on 95.7 The Game. That is our official flagship radio station. But Tom Tolbert is a radio host on our former KNBR. KNBR. Yeah. And I'm, I, I, I'm positive that drives KNBR brass crazy. And I was just wondering if, what your opinion was on that. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes there's no rhyme or reason to what they're doing. Obviously, Tom is known <laughs> in the Bay Area. He's been doing sports on KNBR for many, many years, uh, sports talk show on the radio. Yeah. No, uh, it's, it's, an interesting, um, it's an interesting scenario that exists in the world of sports and the world of broadcasting that you can't really put your finger on as to rhyme the reason as to why certain things happen. <laughs> but Tom's fortunate. He's, you know, he's got another job. He doesn't have to go on the road. He gets to do the game, stay yeah. at home, make some extra money, get to talk about the game that he loves. And, and Tom is very good at what he does. So, you know, good luck to him. And I feel badly for my <laughs> old teammate, Jim Barnett. And but that's life. I mean, that's just, yep. that's the way that it goes. I mean, I had situations, you know, that where I had opportunities to do some things, you know, wound up turning them down. I turned them down and then I wound up losing my job at freaking Turner <laughs> for working for them mm -hmm. after I turned the job down with the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, it's like, whoa, oh. what the heck is going on? I mean, oh, that's brutal, Rick. It's okay. I mean, everybody should have the problems I've had in life. Um, <laughs> so let's still, take a, I still laugh at the pacer. The fact that the one year you get a finals MVP, they give you a pacer. Instead of well, that's just bad luck. I mean, you just change the freaking sponsor, you know? AMC is opposed to Chevrolet. I mean, like, wow. That was, oh, man. Uh, that was kind of something. So let's take a look at some of the things that are going on here. As I told you about the consistency yeah. thing, right? So you look at some of the things in previous games, and, and one of the guys that we talked about that we thought was, was doing a really nice job was, uh, was Damian Lee, right? Who had played okay, and then yeah. all of a sudden, the last three games, what does he go? He gets he's got he gets two points, right? Two points in one game, two 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 rebounds, two assists. Then in the next game, he's got five points, and but he gets seven rebounds, which is great. Two assists. Next game, it's eight points with no rebounds and no assists. So, right. I mean, if you're going to be a guy coming off the bench doing something, I mean, two five eight, that's well, that's consistently inconsistent. Okay, <laughs> so this is the point that you have to make. And I like him as a player. I mean, but you, you got to find a way to, to just be more freaking consistent. Yeah. I mean, and that's the problem that we're having. And then you, you look at some of the other players that we talked about, you know, remember you were talking about, Oh, everybody's talking about, you know, maybe, you know, like rookie of the year or top, you know, one of the top rookies. Oh, Eric, Pascal. Eric Pascal. Yes. Okay. So Eric Pascal. So where does he go? He goes, you know, he gets 12, 12 points in one game with one rebound and one assist against he Minnesota. He's regressed. That's not a good sign. Yeah, and then he gets yeah. only – and then Utah less. And then the other one, I don't even know. He might not have played in that one. I don't But anyway. He set that one out. Yeah, you're yeah, correct. He, he missed one that. game he for that. He missed a game for the Oklahoma yeah. City game. And then he, then he plays Utah. He gets, he gets you know, six rebounds just nice, but only eight points. And so here's a guy that got you 30, and now he gets you eight. 
Wouldn't you rather have him get you 15 in both games? Absolutely. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm definitely souring a bit on the Warriors right now for the simple reason. You're right. Consistency is the variable that determines greatness in athletics, right? And if you're not going to be consistent every night, you need to be at least a solid role player in some regard. Um, D'Angelo Russell is showing consistency, but they're not winning. What's your take on him? Like, do you see him long-term with this team, or are they going to well, trade him? We've talked about that. I mean, I think he's great trade bait for them, depending where they want to go. Do you want to have a team that's going to have three small, you know, three be small? You know. With D'Angelo and Steph and Clay playing in, the, in their, their, their front, you know, their outside players? I mean, you got three guys who can shoot and score and everything, but, but Russell is the kind of guy that's showing where he can do when he has the ball in his hand. He's doing a lot of pick-and-roll stuff. It's not the pass-cut-move stuff like the Warriors excelled in for over the last five years when they got in trouble is when they did too much of the one-on-one stuff, but a lot of his stuff is one-on-one. But he's a heck of a player. And, you know, he's got to get better you know, individual defense and, and understand team defense, which the entire team has to do because they're still harping on that all the time. Like I said, I'm going to continue to do that. I mean, teams still shoot 49, 50% against them. They give up 120 points a game. Yet you're just not going to win a lot of basketball games with that type of defense. It's just not going to happen. It's impossible. It, it is. Yeah, there's no way you're going to win. So, and we'll see what happens in their game. And we're broadcasting this one or recording this one when they're going to be playing against against the Lakers who will be shorthanded if Davis doesn't play. So this is an opportunity for him and they had a rest and, and it's back to back for, uh, for the Lakers. So this is a nice opportunity for them to do. And unfortunately they're still, they're out on the road, but if they play the way they've been playing lately, uh, they're still going to have a hard time, hard time winning. So we'll see how yeah. that plays itself out. Yeah, but they're not, they haven't been consistent. They've regressed. Well, that's it. I mean, it's and, yeah, up and down, up and down, up and yep. down. You don't know who's going to do it, who's not going to do it. I mean, the only guy that's been consistent with his offense and all, as obviously, has been Russell. You know, Alec Burke's shown some signs. Glenn Burks, Robinson. too. Burks has probably done a better job yeah. than, than anybody lately. I mean, very good, actually. He's the one guy that's been rather consistent. He's had double figures in every game in the last three games. You know, 18 and nine rebounds and 23 and five, but then he goes 10 and one. Yeah. I mean, you, you, the five rebounds, the one rebound, you know, like I say, wouldn't you rather have the guy get you six every time? I mean, <laughs> and then, you know, 23, 18, and then down to 10. I mean, that can happen. You can have one of those games. Even LeBron had a bad game the other day that cost him a, a victory against Toronto when he, when he just, just had a bad offensive game. And so what's going to happen, obviously, if it can happen to LeBron James, it's going to happen to anybody and, and it'll happen to all players. Some players, it happens more often than others. So, but, but he has, he's the one guy now that you want to talk about guys playing more consistent. That would be the one guy that's doing it. But the problem that you have, it just gets back to what we talk about so often, Cyrus, with the Warriors, is that you're trying to find guys who you can put in the starting lineup to play consistently. But then you also got to have guys that come off the bench to do it. So you need, you need a whole, you know, you need seven, eight guys that can do that. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't have that. And no. they don't have that. No. Uh, Rick, can I put you on the shot clock? Yeah, you know, you do this with the shot clock. So it's kind of fun. So we'll see you because you always try to throw me a, well, we'll use the baseball term, a curveball. Yes. Uh, you know, and I'm going to have to try not to double dribble on this one. So, um, <laughs> I need right, to get a rim shot fire, sound effect for you. Yeah, fire, fire away at me. <laughs> all right. So 24 seconds to answer this question. I'll, I'll, I'll lob you a softball for this, for this first or second. No, no, no. Play. I don't want any softballs. You don't want a softball? No, no. Well, it's just like when I play. I played anything I do in life competitively and stuff, whether it's broadcasting, athletics, or whatever. I played Marty Hogan the greatest uh, racquetball player uh, in the, in the, uh, in, in the world. Uh, okay. And so he was an amazing player. And I said, in an exhibition, I said, look, Marty, please play your best. Cause I'm going to brag about whatever I do. So uh, he, he played his best. I got one point and I was happy to get the one point, but I'd rather only get one point against the greatest player in his sport 
than to go and have him be nice to me. And let me get two or three points. I, I don't need that. You know, I don't need that. Embarrass you the heat. me. You want the heat? Yeah, I want it all. I want your best shot. All right. Well, well, the clock's ticking. Who are the five greatest shooters in NBA history? Oh, well, now we got to talk to think about it. I mean, you go back down, Jerry West was probably there. Uh, there's a guy named Bud Coper that you probably never heard about that was incredible. Uh, you know, certainly some people would probably throw Reggie into the equation. But as far as shooting outside and doing stuff, Kyle Korver has to get thrown into it. Steph Curry, another guy that you got to throw into the equation, and Clay Thompson. So that would be some guys I'd just throw out there. Sounds good. That was a good list. Excellent. Um, what about NBT Squared? Are you ready for some of that? Have some truth bombs. Oh... Well, the truth of the matter is, uh, when it comes to uh, the, the Warriors, that... Do you want to hear Jack uh, first? Yeah, I, that's true. I shouldn't say it without, because I love this. I tell people all the time, I just love... This is like one of the great lines of, of movies of all time. Agreed. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! I love Jack Nicholson and a few good men, you know, Tom Cruise. That's like one of the great lines of all time. And it's such a truth, though. That in itself is the truth. People, most people can't handle the truth. They really, truly can't. And, and so it's, this is why we're always trying to come out and throw the truth out there. And if you can't handle it, that's your problem, not Cyrus's or mine. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's just kind of the way it is. Uh, the truth of the matter is, is that in this situation with the NBA, that the players today... I think don't appreciate how good they have it. That's the absolute positive truth. I really don't think that the, uh, so many of them don't truly appreciate it, just how fortunate they are to be treated the way they are, to be paid the way they are. Now, some of them do, but I think a great many of them really believe that they're entitled to this and they don't have the appreciation that I think is important. It's one of the things that I find in most people. I think you do things in life. I know I've done things in life because I want to do them because I feel good about doing them. And all I ask for, I don't want anything particular in return for it, something of monetary value or uh, physical value or whatever it may be, material value. I just want to know that the person that I did something for appreciates what I did. Mm -hmm. You just want to have appreciation. And I don't know how many players truly appreciate just how fortunate they are to be in the situation that they're in. For those that do, and I'm not saying it's all, for those that do, God bless you. My hat goes off to you. For those that don't, do some soul searching and maybe find a little more appreciation. I'm with you. I, I think one example of someone who does would be Kai Bowman, the backup point guard for the Warriors, two-way player. Uh, there's a story about him in the Chronicle about how um, he barely, barely – is above the threshold for qualifying for low-income housing in San Francisco. Could you believe that? Wow. Pro basketball player. <laughs> and, but he, I, I, I would say he's probably one person that is not taking it for granted. But you're right. I think there are a lot of players that do. Yeah, there are, I think a lot of them do, and a lot of them do some wonderful things with the money that they have that unfortunately winds up, if it's in the paper at all, on page 36 as opposed to the front page of the sports page. Um, and that's the sad part too. Um, but anyway, so let's just hope that some of these players will, uh, will, will appreciate that a little bit more because they are very, very fortunate indeed. I, I felt fortunate. I used to laugh when I got a check, say, this is unfreaking believable. I'm getting paid to play <laughs> basketball. Seriously. I mean, I, I, I couldn't believe, I thought I died and went to heaven. 
Because you did. paid to play you basketball. Did. Yeah, but and, and, yeah, I just wish I had those extra three zeros because then I'd be uh. in great shape and I can really do the fishing. I just got something from my dear friend Clifford Ray, my teammate, right? Starting mm-hmm. center in our championship team. We're, we're kind of like brothers. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is He's so much into this and this is my passion now. Fishing is my drug of choice. I don't party every night. I don't get washed and I don't pop bottles. I go fishing. I cast as many times as possible, and then I cast once more. I read fishing magazines, look at lures, and organize my tackle. Late nights will never compare to hitting the water first thing in the morning. You can have the nightlife. I'll take the fresh air, the beauty of the outdoors, Mm. and the thrill of a screaming reel. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're i mean you become a legendary fisherman you go up to alaska nah, i'm not legendary right? I, I just i'd really enjoy it because it, first of all fly fishing is what i'm really into i mean spin casting bait casting is nice and all but mm-hmm. fly fishing really is an art form it's a skill that you have to really learn and and i'm far from being an expert at it and i mean some guys are so good but i try i get pointers from all the guides when i go out tell me something show me something and the better i get at it and i've gotten at it the more fish i hook into because it requires the proper presentation. It requires be able to cast and get it to where you need to get it. It requires not getting your line if you don't know what you're doing, hooked in the tree behind you or the bush behind you. You got to learn different casts and different styles. And so it's a challenge. It's not just sitting there holding onto a rod and hoping that a fish bites it and you just let the line sit there in the water. It's an active participation sport and it's so much fun. And you're out there and, and, and with you know God and the beauty of, of what he's created in, in some of these remote areas, especially that's why I love going up into Alaska. And there's a lot of other beautiful places in this country. And I'm working really hard on hoping to get something together where I may be able to be doing a, a, a fly fishing show. We'll, we'll see see what happens i'll keep you posted on yeah. that yeah okay. that would be uh that would be like the second best well the best right right up there with getting to play basketball and getting paid can you imagine if i were able to go and do a show and not have to pay to go to the places i go and be able to fish and actually make a couple of dollars oh yeah my and God. They, they pay you i mean it'd be unbelievable so, oh what is it, like a nat geo or i'm i'm curious what channel would no, I, I'm talking like to that. some people. I'm not at liberty to discuss what Fair it enough. is, but it would be really cool. And I have a, a concept and a format that I'm not going to give out because somebody else might steal it. <laughs> uh, that would be pretty cool. And and it would be a different type of a uh, of a show. Um, anyway, I, I don't want to give too much away. But anyway, Fair that's enough. just another thing. So we got other things to talk about in the world, the basketball and, and oh, yeah. what the heck is going on. So let's, yeah, let's people, focus on people, But people, I think people want to hear about you too. I mean, you're a star, man. You're a legend. Uh, what do you like better, fishing or golf? Well, I've never really liked golf. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Then I mean, I'm talking about as far as a passion. Right, right. I mean, I, I mean, I, the game is good. It's, it's, the, it's the most difficult, challenging thing I've ever tried to do in sports because you never can master it. I asked Jack Nicklaus a few months ago. I was with uh-huh. Jack and said, Jack, can you ever master golf? I'm telling people it's the hardest sport I've ever played and you can never master it. It's so frustrating because I'm a perfectionist. And, <laughs> and, and, and golf is a game of mistakes and you just got to minimize your mistakes. And, and it's the quality of your misses. And I always joke and I said, yeah, well, the quality of your misses, and I have a great missus. She's an amazing lady. <laughs> but, but golf is so hard. I mean, I got to be a one handicap. And the better wow. I got, the more frustrated I got. You because were one you have, handicap? Yeah, because, yeah, because the, best, the, the thing is, is you have to work so hard at maintaining a one to practice and keep it at that level. Right. And then, and then when you think you've got it, it'll jump up and bite you in the butt. Because you just can't master it. Just look at what's happened to so many of the great players. Look what happened to Tiger Woods. Look what happened. David Duval, one in the world, disappeared for oh, years. Oh, I know. That, yeah, that Gone. Was... I mean, it happens. So, it's so difficult. Raymond Floyd, good friend Jerry Pate, and so many of the pro golfers that I know, and well, those guys I fish with. But, I mean, they, I talk to them about it all the time. And it's such a difficult sport. It's so hard 
There's so many variables involved that you can't totally control, and there's absolutely zero reactionary to it. Zero. <laughs> that little yep. silly white little ball is sitting there. It's not moving. <laughs> And you have to learn how to control that thing and do so many different things with it and take into account all of the variables, the wind, the wind situation, what's uh -huh. happening with the wind. Where is, I mean, the lie, what kind of lie do you have? I mean, then, you know, the pin and then the brakes on the green. I mean, there's so many things involved in the game of golf. It is extremely, extremely difficult. Too much to be really fun for me. The challenge is incredible. But to say it's really fun? No. <laughs> No, it's I mean, really I love it. It's one of the greatest business games ever. And, you know, enjoy going out with people. And there's some great courses and beauty to be seen, but it is so demanding. Yeah, I think it's fun if you have a good day. Well, it's fun it, if you have the right attitude, but I'm a perfectionist. Yeah. <laughs> and I always want to do my best. And I know what I'm capable of doing. If I can't go out and do it at that level, I'm not happy. Yeah. And, and I was saying in basketball, you think I'm happy if I'm out there and I'm going two for 14? No. Like I did in the seventh game of the Western Conference. I'm killing myself inside. No. I hated not being playing at the top of my game and being really good at what I do. I, I had great pride in, my, in what I do. As you should. Yeah, I always compare the learning curve of surfing to golf. Those are the two hardest sports. I tried desert. surfing, but I, well, you'll get a kick out of this one. So surfing on my, my, my honeymoon, I, I'm over in Hawaii and I'm trying to go out there and do it. And I'm just killing myself and trying to get up and being <laughs> tall. And, and, and so uh, these guys, I come in and the guys, I see them, they're kind of laughing. I said, why are you guys laughing? He said, man, he said, Mon, he said that board, you see, can't, yeah, but you, that, that's no good for you. He said, was it, there's no way. It's too, the ball's too, that board was too small. Oh, yeah. Now they have smaller boards, but they have great buoyancy and stuff. Yes. I said, well, great. So I'm out there killing myself, and they're, they're just having a good time laughing at me. <laughs> but I, I didn't have the kind of balance. I mean, surfing is not the thing for a tall person. Well, but you're, well, you're, Brent's tall. He's doing good, right? Uh, well, yeah, I, I agree. Well, it's harder. Your center of gravity. It's much more, it's much more yeah. difficult to be able to be, I'm talking about world class. That not, is true. I've met some surfers and stuff. And I haven't met any that I've looked eye to eye to. Yeah, that's true. It is harder when you're taller. That is true. Yeah, well, even that, even the same thing with uh, with with uh, uh, all the other. What's it? What is it? Well, then they now they've got what kite surfing, and then they do on that, and then uh, what's the other one you do when you stand with the sailboarding? I guess when you got the sail on the board, you stand up. And do yeah, windsurfing. Yeah, yeah, windsurfing. Wind surfing. Yeah, that's whew, that's yeah, uh, they're all very tough. That's that's tough for me. Yeah, I don't touch that either. Uh, are you ready to to share with the world what's driving you crazy? Uh, yeah, after you though, I always like you to go first. Fair enough. Let me play the music. Hopefully, you can hear it. Did you hear that? No, I don't. Oh, what is I gotta figure something out here. Well, I played the music, so hopefully, everyone else heard it too. What drives me crazy this week, Rick? The Warriors, we're recording this on November 13th. The Warriors are playing the Lakers tonight. What drives me crazy? Have you ever heard the term brawn sexual? No. So Braun sexual is a term that is applicable to those who irrationally love LeBron James. I don't doubt he's one of the greatest players ever. I think you could easily make the case he's top 10 all time, maybe even top five. He's not Michael Jordan. He's nowhere near Michael Jordan, but a lot of people, and we call him Braun sexuals, irrationally support that man. I don't know why, but they think he's better than Michael Jordan. And anyone that does drives me bat S-bomb crazy. <laughs> well, yeah, but here's the thing. You're getting into the area that I talk about is that you can't compare people who are different players and positions. LeBron is basically a three. Right. Okay. He's inherently a three who could play the two, who also can play the point some, but he's really a three. So if you want to compare him, compare him to, to Larry Bird. Don't compare him to Michael Jordan. I mean, compare him to the person, you know, the players that he played in that position with. Right. And so 
um, you know, I, I still think that, you know, Michael is, uh, is the quintessential two for what he's done in his career. And I have to say right now, I think that, you know, LeBron is, you know, is the three. Yeah. I, I mean, so I, I, and when people, Oh, he's the greatest, but I keep hearing these guys. That's another one. Okay. So I can come up with that one. I can even change what I was going to say right now. What drives me crazy since you brought that up, what okay. drives me crazy is the announcers on television, all talking about who's the greatest player in the game today. There's no such thing as the greatest player in a team sport. There's the greatest player at his position. Flat out, period. End of story. What would you say don't to compare? A- you don't compare, you know, LeBron James to Will Chamberlain. You don't compare him to, to Larry Bird, I mean, to uh, Michael Jordan. You don't compare him to Magic Johnson. Compare players from their own position, and they're the best at their position. There's no such thing as the greatest player in basketball. It's the greatest player at his position because there are subtle differences between how you play the game, depending upon the position that you're playing. Yeah, I was going to ask you, the contrarian might counter that by saying that in today's NBA, it's, it's relatively positionless. What would you say to, to that person? That's not necessarily true. It's just a matter of how the position is being played today. So you would compare guys to the way that's being played today. The fours are going outside a lot more. And hell, even the centers are going outside sometimes yeah. now in shooting. So it's a different it's a different way the game's played in that regard. And yes, a lot of times you got people and they're playing five out and they're playing small ball. And so you, but it is, but you don't have a center necessarily playing. You have a guy who's a four playing outside because he's capable of doing it. And a lot of times, and well, let's just take a look. I mean, you basically Draymond, uh-huh. Draymond is kind of like a three small four, but a uh-huh. three size wise. He's a three, but he could play, he plays some four because of, he's strong and he can do other things. But so that's how you compare them. You compare them to the position that they're playing and how they're playing that position based upon the skills of that position. So you, you can't, I mean, it's just not the same. Twos and threes are probably the closest. Twos and threes. Yeah. But generally, the two would still be more a perimeter. The three would be a guy who could be his perimeter, but also can go and get to the basket and do stuff inside as well. And ideally, you'd want a four who can go inside and out. Gotcha. I mean, a guy like I always never could understand why Dirk Nowitzki didn't ever develop an inside game. Oh, I know. He, that, he would have been unstoppable. <laughs> he would have been completely unstoppable. That, that, that would explain why, why Kevin Durant is so dominant, right? Yeah, because I mean, he's, he started going in and doing some yeah. of this stuff inside and using your sides, and you can always get your shot off. Why would you not do that and just abuse the other team when they're guarding you with the guy that comes up to your freaking shoulders? I mean, how many times? Well, but that's another one that'll say I can use that as another drive me crazy. <laughs> save I'll it for next that. week. Yeah, save I'm it. saving <laughs> that one. So anyway, yeah, that's what drives me crazy. Stop comparing and saying who's the best. It's like in baseball. Oh, he's the best player in baseball today. No, he's the best at his position. Yeah. You're going to talk about Trout, and you're going to compare Trout to a first baseman, or you're going to compare Trout to a, a second baseman or a third shortstop or a catcher? No. You can't. Yeah. Compare him with fellow outfielders. Compare him with the position where he plays. Yeah. Even playing – because I played baseball. I was a better baseball player. Left field, center field, right field are played differently, especially center field. You play that position differently. The same as you know, a lot of the skills are required and all, but you still play it, and you have to play a little differently because of location on the field and what you. So compare them to their positions. That's that's all I say. I'm with you. I agree. All right, Rick. It's always a pleasure, sir. Um, you're in Florida right now, aren't you? You're traveling, right? No, I'm, no. I, I was just down doing some stuff. I went to my alma mater. It was fun to see some of the people down there. My old teammate Wayne Beckner and. 
Kenny Allen, who was a senior when I was a freshman, and some of the other guys from other teams that played, uh, you know, after me. Nice. But it was nice to go down there, see their facilities. It's just, I just, Wayne and I just shook our heads when we see the facilities that these guys have <laughs> compared to what we had. We <laughs> talking about it to the other guys, and they're going, really? Really? I said, yeah, really. I mean, it, it's, uh, the players today have no idea how fortunate they are, seriously. But, you know, I wouldn't change any of it for the world. Would I like to have this? <laughs> yeah, sure, I'd like to have it. I just <laughs> talked about the San Antonio Spurs when I visited Brent. I mean, you got a thumbprint, your fingerprint to get yourself into their enclosed, you know, facility that you're going into a compound. And you can go there, you can get breakfast and you get lunch afterwards. And you have all of this incredible stuff they have, and the special drinks before or after. I mean, it's amazing. And I heard, because I didn't get a chance to get the, the total tour of, of the Chase Center mm-hmm. uh, when I was out, and I wish I had. I'm disappointed that I didn't, but hopefully I'll get out there again sometime to see it. But Clifford was just out there, and he actually was doing some work with, uh, with the Santa, Santa, Santa Cruz team, with the G League team, and uh, he said, wow. He said it was unbelievable, the facilities that they have for the players uh, in the Chase Center. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what that is. So hopefully the players will appreciate it, I hope so as too. we had discussed as one of our topics of discussion today. But uh, everybody, have a good week. I'm actually heading out to do a Basketball Hall of Fame uh, golf event down in Southern California and then uh, come back to California here and get back and hopefully get out and get some more pickleball in because I love <laughs> playing pickleball. And nice. I'm hoping I can find somebody that's, you know, another, another old guy to, to, to join up who's a good player and maybe play in some tournaments in our age group and win national championships. So that's, that's something that I'm thinking about trying to do. Beautiful. So I it's good. Her. Anyway, life is great. I uh, hope everybody in, enjoys uh, the next week until we, until we meet again. And let's hope that the Warriors can find a way to get a little bit more consistent, get a couple of wins and, and I really do hope that we stop having to talk about so many of the injuries that are happening to these players. Yes. I hate to see somebody get injured because this is your livelihood. And I know that these guys love playing and all. And it's tough to not be able to do what you love to do. So God bless everybody. Have a great week. Cyrus, always good to talk to you. And Likewise. talk to you next time, folks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.